We are looking at this familiar passage this morning, and particularly the role of wives in marriage. Next week, Lord willing, we'll look at the role of husbands in the marriage. This is part two of the three-part little series on this passage this morning. This is a passage that can be heeded. There can be controversy about this passage. And it definitely is countercultural. What it tells us in a broad sense when we come to a passage like this is that God is concerned about all aspects of your life. Christianity is not just a set of beliefs or God is not just concerned about your right behavior. God is involved and he is sovereign over everything about you, even in the relationships that you have. And as I've said, from chapter 4 through our text to the end of chapter 6, this second half of Ephesians shows us in the church how to live out what we've learned from God in chapters 1, 2, and 3. Chapters 1, 2, and 3 are foundational to our understanding this morning. And chapters 4, 5, and 6, including our passage, they stand on that foundation that's given in the first part of Ephesians. The first three chapters are about orthodoxy, right believing, and these last three chapters are about orthopraxy, about right behaving. First three are about our calling. The last three are about our conduct. First half is about what Christ has done, and the last three are about how to live in light of what Christ has done. In other words, we have to look at the last three chapters in relation to what the first three have to tell us. When we look at our life, when we look at relationships, it's not about legalism, about doing these things in order to be accepted by God or to be considered a good person. There's no such thing. The gospel of Christ requires repentance and faith. That is what is required of you. Repentance and faith. The gospel, though, produces obedience. It requires repentance and faith from you, and in you it produces obedience. We can't confuse those. Picture each passage in chapters 4, 5, and 6, including our passage this morning about marriage. Picture it as being a rare flower that's way out there in the distance. And the only way that you can see clearly is through the lens of chapters 1, 2, and 3. Without this lens, 
we won't truly see how beautiful, how intricate this passage really is. There are eternal truths in the first half of Ephesians that ground our understanding about God, our faith, and life in the church, and life in the family. And then the Apostle Paul goes on to tell us who we are in the church, how to live out these wonderful truths. He uses the word walk as an active, purposeful description of living as Christians. It's intentional living. It's moving closer to God throughout your life. Starting in chapter 4, we walk in a worthy manner of our calling. We are to walk holy. Paul goes on to tell us we walk in love. We walk as children of light. We walk wisely. This new life that is lived as God wants us to is all because... The only possibility for you to live this way is because of what we're told back in chapter 1, verse 7, because of Christ who redeemed us through his blood. It's Christ who gives us this purposeful, meaningful walk. Through Christ, the church is blessed and loved and given grace and mercy And then we're told that Christ is the head over all things in the church. And as part of his body, we live in every way, in all things, in every relationship, in accordance with him. And then just before our passage, in chapter 5, verses 18 to 21, we're told that we're filled with the Spirit. We're told, with the Spirit, making melody to the Lord in our hearts, always giving thanks for everything to God in the name of our Lord Jesus Christ. And then, hopefully you still have your Bibles open, look at verse 21, just before our passage. We are told, in light of all of this, we submit to one another out of reverence, for Christ. You may remember a couple weeks ago when I preached on these verses, I told you from Calvin that God has bound believers strongly in the church where love reigns among God's people. And as the unselfish people of God, there's such love and care for brothers and sisters in Christ that we go out of our way to serve one another. Those of us in Christ, we serve as we walk, as we live in God's grace, because of what we've learned in chapters 1, 2, and 3, we live with the purpose of serving the community of God. It's not optional. Notice the wording in verse 21, it's a command. It's one of the one another commands throughout the New Testament. 
We place ourselves under each other. We subordinate ourselves by addressing each other's needs before our own. You see, we don't take care of ourselves, and once we're okay, then we go and we see what others need. No, we take care of others knowing God is taking care of our needs. That is the walk of the Christian. A tremendous example to the world of God's initiating love and His provision and His sovereign hand over our lives as we focus on others' needs. God serving us as we serve others. That is the church's response to Christ first loving us and giving Himself for us. Of Christ giving His life in place of ours and being that substitutionary sacrifice and dying in our place so we can live and have God's love and His grace. Paul then continues that idea of serving and the church's response to Christ And Paul jumps into what is perhaps the most important human relationship. The relationship of a man and woman in holy matrimony. The marriage relationship. And we learned last week in part one that this marriage relationship, it's a micro picture of the gospel itself. The flow of Ephesians, if you've noticed, has been telling us of Christ and his church. Christ, the cornerstone, the church, the building. Christ, the head, the church, his body. And a picture of the gospel is seen in the body of Christ serving others and receiving care from others. And then last week on an individual level, the gospel being seen in marriages. You see, in the church, we are a gospel loving and a gospel living people. From individual marriages to corporately in the church and then to the world. The gospel of Christ is on display for everyone to see and by grace to have. The community of God isn't always together. But even when we separate throughout the week and at different times, Each family still has the picture of the gospel with them in the marriage. And when the community of God is together, there's the gospel marriages. The picture of the gospel is multiplied in the church. What an amazing God we have. Every part of your life. Every stage of your life has the gospel before you in all these small pictures as guiding lights to Christ. From when you were a child till you're married, and we'll see in a couple weeks when you have children, and every other relationship, the picture of the gospel is before you. 
Paul begins with marriage. The most fulfilling, the most significant, the most joy-filled relationship you can ever have is not about you. It's not about you. It reflects the relationship God has graciously shared with his chosen people. And thus, both the husband and wife are told how they are to be in this important relationship. Since they both reflect and they point others to the good news of Jesus Christ. In verse 22, the wives are told to submit to their own husbands as to the Lord. The same word, submit, as before in verse 21. Wives are to submit to everything to their husbands in verse 24. This is not the only place that wives are told this. The Apostle Peter says something very similar to what Paul says. If you hold your place in Ephesians, turn with me to 1 Peter chapter 3, and we'll look at verses 1 through 6 together. It's page 1015 in the church Bible. Here in 1 Peter 3, we'll see that wives are told essentially the same thing, this time through, through Peter. 1 Peter chapter 3, beginning in verse 1. Likewise, wives, be subject to your own husbands, so that even if some do not obey the word, they may be won without a word by the conduct of their wives, when they see your respectful and pure conduct. Do not let your adorning be external, the braiding of hair and the putting on of gold jewelry, or the clothing you wear. Let your adorning be hidden, be the hidden person of the heart with the imperishable beauty of a gentle and quiet spirit, which in God's sight is very precious. For this is how the holy women who hoped in God used to adorn themselves by submitting to their own husbands, as Sarah obeyed Abraham, calling him Lord, and you are her children. If you do good and do not fear anything, that is frightening. If you're taking notes, you can also write down Colossians 3.18. Another place where Paul says wives are simply told to submit to their husbands as is fitting in the Lord. The submission of wives to their own husbands in our passage in Ephesians It's not an obscure teaching, nor is it one that's been added to the Scriptures or been hijacked and twisted by chauvinists, nor is it an outdated teaching. Two of the apostles have clear teachings to wives on submission to their husbands. Now, I confess that this is not popular today even in the church. Some have discounted uh, these passages by saying that Paul and Peter were speaking to people in ancient times, that it it was a cultural thing. Today, our culture is different. But when you actually dive into the Scriptures, you can read for yourselves that nothing in Scripture tells us that. 
We get on dangerous footing when we pick and choose what fits and what doesn't based on today's cultural norms. The culture does not determine truth. Truth ought to impact culture. At the very least, truth stands up to culture. Those that hold to this being cultural and therefore they discount it, they're reading their own preferences into this passage, and honestly, that's anti-Christian. The fact is, in our flesh, we just don't like the word submit. Now, unfortunately, the world can look at history and see when this passage was taken out of context and been abused. But those improper, those evil twistings do not have the final say about this passage if we want to live out this passage in obedience. And if we want to do that, if we want to live out in obedience, we need to then understand what God means by telling wives to submit to their own husbands. Wives need clarity today. But so do single ladies and men. Single ladies and men, don't think that I'm preaching to the wives so you can tune out today. For those who are single at any age and for younger men and younger ladies, you need to pay attention because what this does is set expectations for you. For when you do get married in the future, you will know what is expected. And husbands, you need to hear this today. Today should set biblical expectations within your marriage. Husbands ought to turn to their wives and expect what this passage has to say, no more and no less than what Scripture says here. So husbands, you need to pay attention and learn from this as well. If we all gain insight on this truth today, power struggles in marriages will disappear. A beautiful Bible-based relationship will exist. And combine this text with next week's sermon for husbands, both spouses will then be served, both will be loved, and both will be fulfilled. And our flesh, our flesh will be beaten back. To see the immense value of this text, we have to understand what is meant by submission. We all have brought a lifetime of our own understanding of what submission means. Some of us have had really bad examples And our skin crawls when we hear the word submit. Maybe some of us have had a good example for us. It's been explained well, but we just don't do it as we should. So it's good for all of us to dive into this word and to see the treasure of submission. This is where I want to begin today. And I want you to first understand what submission is not. Then we can go through this text and we can see what it is and how to live it out with God-loving joy. 
First, wives need to understand that submission is not agreeing with their husband in everything. He likes the color blue. Wives don't like, don't have to like the color blue. To go further, if the husband says God does not exist, the Christian wife should and cannot agree with that. Submission does not mean that wives cannot think, that they cannot have insight or help your husband. A good wife will think things through. She's gained wisdom already and is gaining more in the Spirit. And she goes out of her way to help her husband. In other words, whenever we are called to submit here wives to husbands, but also to one another, to church leaders, to government, we're told to do this submission in submission to God. Verse 22, wives submit to your own husband as to the Lord. If there's ever conflict... If there's ever a struggle between what God says and what your husband says, Christian wives not only have the freedom, you have the solemn duty to disobey man and to obey God. So submission of the wife to her own husband is always, always in context of God's holy word. That's the parameter here. That's That's the boundary line. It's a line that the wife should not cross. And if the husband crosses it, then the wife has the obligation to her Savior and to her Lord to follow Christ. And she does it no matter what. Now something else to clarify. In verse 22, the word submit is not in the original Greek text. If you're ever talking with someone about the role of the wife and they bring this up, they are correct. The word submit is not there. But your translation has it. Be rest assured that is not a typo. The answer is because the meaning of the word is there. And in English, it flows better to have the word in the verse. It's taken from verse 21 and fits in context as Paul flows from 21 into our passage. Remember, in the original, there's no chapters, there's no verses. The word was there in verse 21. It's taken in context. It fits from verse 1. And then in the original text, the word submit is there in the original Greek in verse 24. So as to not add confusion, Bible translators put the word submit in verse 22 for us. Now on to what submission is. First, notice the word is an active verb. If you're taking notes, write this down. Submission is an action verb. There's action to it. Wives are not to be passive in submitting to their husband. 
Wives don't sit back and just receive whatever the husband says or does. Wives are to actively go out of their way to submit to their husband. Why is this? Why are wives called to submit in everything to their husbands, as verse 24 says? It's not because your husband deserves it. There is no husband that deserves your submission. This command is not about how worthy your husband is. He's not. This passage is bigger than your husband. There are wives who look at their husbands and say, I can't submit to that man. But this is not an option. Just like in verse 21, there's no caveats to this command. There's no conditions put here. Scripture doesn't say if your husband deserves it or if he does everything he's supposed to or if he does what I want, then I submit. Wives are called to submit in obedience to the Lord. Remember, the gospel requires repentance and faith and it produces in you obedience. Your faith is why you wives are to do this. You submit to your husband as to the Lord. Bodie Bauckham says if a wife can't submit to her husband, she doesn't have a man problem, she has a worship problem. As to the Lord puts a deeper meaning to submitting and it raises the importance of the wife doing it. You see, submission is a heart issue. If a wife is saved by Christ, her heart has been redeemed by Him and she willingly surrenders and submits to Christ and therefore she lives in obedience. Here's a way to summarize what this passage is saying to wives. Wives submitting to their husbands shows the awesome redemption that only Christ gives. I'll say it again. Wives submitting to their husbands shows the awesome redemption that only Christ gives. And our text gives us three ways the wife's submission represents this. First, wives represent trusting the gospel. Next, wives represent how to honor Christ. And then, wives represent daily belief in the gospel of Christ. And let's look at these three ways. The first way the wife's submission to her husband shows Christ's redemption is by wives trusting, wives representing the trust needed in the gospel. The first way, wives represent the trust needed in the gospel. In the Garden of Eden, trust was lost. Trust in God and trust in other people. Adam and Eve stopped trusting in what God said. And when God confronted them, Adam turned on Eve and he blamed her. Eve turned to the serpent and blamed 
the serpent. What's important here for today is what Calvin points out in 1 Timothy 2.14, that Eve was the one deceived. And the result was women struggling with submission. Part of God's judgment in Genesis 3.16, God says, Your desire will be for your husband, and he will rule over you. No one likes to be ruled over. Adam and Eve turned from God and trusted in themselves, and trust was broken between them. And every woman today bears the mark of Eve. But remember that marriage was established before the fall. Eve's submission as helper was joyful and happy before the fall. But not now. Not in our natural state. The wife naturally wants to rule herself. Now in Christian marriages, there is a recovery now of the joyful submission. And gospel redemption is on display because the wife represents the church trusting in Christ. It's no longer about being ruled over. Christ is sovereignly caring for His bride. And the bride trusts her groom. Wives represent that. They are the bride whose faith in God is restored. Bodhi Bakum, once again, he says in marriage, women get to play the role of the one who is redeemed. Men play the role of the one who got killed. Submission is a trust issue. The one submitting has to trust the one they are submitting to. Adam and Eve turned from trusting in God. Wives now live out the trust in God that Christ has reestablished. That is why their submission to their husband is to the Lord. The wife trusts that God is doing a work in them and their role of wife is a good role. Wives trust that God is doing a work in their husband and He will give their husband, what he needs to lead their family. The wife does not submit is a woman who stands arrogantly against God and trusts not in God, but she trusts in her own strength, her own wisdom, her own path for her welfare. She is a woman of the world. It's a picture of the unbeliever who rejects God, who thinks the creature is wiser than the Creator. The the wife who does not submit is a picture of the conceited woman in Revelation 17 who will be judged. The wife who does submit. She is a woman who trusts that eternal fruitfulness is growing for her and her husband. That God will produce a great harvest in them and in their marriage for His glory and their good. The wife who submits to her husband is a picture of another woman in Revelation. In chapter 12 of God's true church. God's faithful people who trust in God and His goodness is her rock and her salvation.
Next, the wife's submission to her husband shows Christ's redemption by wives representing how to honor Christ. Wives submitting to their husband displays the headship of Christ. Look with me again in our passage in verses 23 and 24. Wives, submit to your husbands, verse 23, for the husband is the head of the wife, even as Christ is the head of the church, his body and is himself its Savior. Now as the church submits to Christ, so also wives should submit in everything to their husbands. In the gospel, trust has been regained. And now, honor that Christ deserves is restored. In chapter 1, 22 and 23, remember we were told, and he put all things under his feet and gave him as head over all things to the church, which is his body, the fullness of him who fills all in all. And then in chapter 3, 21, the praise that is given to Christ. To Him be glory in the church and in Christ Jesus through all generations forever and ever. Amen. Honor to Christ in the church throughout all generations. The wife has the privilege. She has the privilege of representing this as she submits to her husband. This means the wife affirms her husband's leadership. Like the church following Christ, the wife follows the leadership of the husband. Not just when she agrees with him, the church does not have that option with Christ. That would be a misrepresentation. The wife honors her husband as head of the household like the church honors Christ. The world gets to see what is due Christ when the wife submits to her husband and honors him in that way. You see, both cannot lead in the marriage. One of them has to lead. And God has determined the husband leads and the wife follows. This creates harmony in the marriage. And that harmony shows what the unity of the body is supposed to be toward the headship of Christ. The church is in submission to Christ and the wife showcases that. See, voluntary submission of the wife says, I am no longer in charge. Christ is in charge. That is why the wife does this as to the Lord. The Christian wife honors Christ. She willingly follows, knowing that Christ is honored when she honors her husband. This is manifest in the marriage through the wife for all to see that picture of the gospel. To be clear here, men are not more valuable than women. Men are not due more honor than women. Both men and women are fallen creatures. Both men and women need Christ. Both need his salvation and his grace. But in the marriage, 
The wife has a role that is bigger than her and bigger than her husband. She is the personified example of how the church is to honor Christ. And in gospel redemption, that is displayed in the Christian marriage and it's treasured. The third way wives show the redemption of Christ in their submission to their own husband is representing daily belief in the gospel of Christ. Belief in Christ for salvation is not just a one-time thing. It is a continuing belief. A daily reliance in Christ leading. A daily reliance of Him guiding us on, our, on the narrow path and showing us the way to the Father. Wives show that daily reliance on Christ that we are to all have by the way she respects her husband. Look at the end of verse 33 with me. Let the wife see that she respects her husband. Respect here means to hold in regard, to esteem in some degree of reverence. This is again less about the husband and more about Christ. There is no husband in the world who can ever earn this kind of respect. But every husband can receive it if the wife sees that she is giving to the Lord. It's in reverence to Him. The church is to do this on a daily basis. How does the church do it? You look to the good wife and see how she respects her husband day in and day out. This is not a voluntary act, not under, uh, it, it is rather a voluntary act, not under compulsion, not based on any kind of condition. And the church ought to respect Christ in that same way. You see, the fact is, Christ is the only one who deserves that kind of reverence. And we still don't respect Him as we should. But having the example of the wife that respects her husband day in and day out shows all of us that we too can persevere and we can reverence Christ every single day. This is not easy. Our flesh wars against us. Our eyes wander. We lose sight of this constantly. But God put this constantly in our face with wives submitting to their husbands. No wife does this all the time. And when they don't, they repent to God and they start again just like the church. Believing in the gospel believing that it is good for me today and every day. That Christ is for me and has my good in mind all the time. Wives who lay down their own will aside, who go to war against their own flesh, who are renewed daily in the grace that saves, who live in that reality, they are awesome examples to the rest of us. May this church, 
May this church say that the wives in this body are good examples to the rest of us of how we as the body of Christ ought to be toward Christ. May their fortitude and belief in Christ be contagious to all of us. And may we pray for the wives among this body. There is a role here that is too large for any wife to do on her own. Every wife needs the grace of God, His strength and love and eternal view to represent what the church ought to be toward Christ. And husbands, may we give our wives grace, knowing that they will not do this perfectly, knowing that we don't really deserve it at all, but Christ does. So we pray for our wives that they will fulfill their role, not for our sake, but for the sake of Christ and His gospel. That our wives will be heralders of the gospel and be sanctified in faithfulness and fervor for Christ. And wives, may you see that you, in yourselves, you are not worthy of this great honor of being an example of what the church should be toward Christ. But in God's providence, He is making you fit for that. May you have that eternal view. May you fight your flesh and ignore the enemies of God and remain committed to Christ for the sake of your marriage, for the sake of your own soul, and for the sake of this body. Let's pray.